It is Tuesday, October 12, 7 p.m. here in Washington, D.C., and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Nation's Pastime in the nation's capital, WCUA's only baseball-centric talk show. I'm your host, Andrew Snaith, here with my co-hosts, as always, James Higgins and Robbie Cruz, and we will be breaking down the latest from the baseball world. But first, thank you so much for tuning in. We are live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on WCUA Radio, and our shows are posted in podcast form on YouTube and soon Spotify. We are getting that sorted out. Come this Friday, we should have the last three, potentially four episodes of Nation's Pastime in the Nation's Capital recorded here in the fall semester of 2021 up on Spotify in a playlist. So look for that announcement on our Instagram or Twitter. Follow them both. They are at Nat Pastime Cap. That's at Nat Pastime Cap. Get all the updates there, highlights from the shows, and news about when they are posted. And as always, if you want to call in tonight to discuss anything baseball related, that number is 202. 202- 319-5106-202-319-5106. So guys, we're in the middle, of course, of the Major League Baseball postseason. I think we should just take a moment to step back, relax, and enjoy this wonderful time of the year, and that time of the year, of course, October baseball, and all the excitement that it brings. This is the most exciting time of the year. This is the year, this is the part of the year that, you know, everybody waits for, everybody longs for. It's where you learn who's a real contender. It's just an exciting time for baseball. It's the best. We've already had th- uh, a few great postseason series, uh, a couple great wild card games. October baseball can't be beat, and I think the league championship series are going to be even better. You're going to have the best teams coming out of this, and it's going to be ex- it's going to be an exciting rest of the season. It's going to be a fun month. This is what everybody waits for all season long, April through October, and and now we're ready to roll. It's it's the best. Absolutely meaningful baseball here in October, the 2021 postseason well underway, and we're going to have, as we said, just a full-on discussion tonight talking about all the series that have happened, the ones that have currently already finished, the ones that are still ongoing, and then, of course, the ones that are set for the future in the next coming days. We do have one game going on right now. Quickly, before we get into the discussion, we'll give you an update on that if you're not aware. It is 2-0 Brewers. That is Game 4 of the NLDS. They are currently defeating the Braves in the bottom of the fourth inning. And the Atlanta Braves could clinch tonight with a win there, so definitely one to keep an eye on. We'll keep looking at that as the night goes on here on the show. But let's start talking about some of the series that have already happened. It's been a week since we last talked to everyone, and at that point, none of the AL wildcard or NL wildcard games had been played yet. Of course, we have results from them. We have three teams, excuse me, four teams have already been eliminated from postseason contention so far. So, guys, why don't we start with the wildcard games, I think, briefly, just go over them just to talk about them. Yeah, sounds good. Absolutely. So the AL wildcard game, we were getting ready for that last week here on Nation's Pastime in the Nation's Capital. That, of course, between the Red Sox and the Yankees at Fenway Park. Red Sox ended up taking a victory on that one. James, you want to talk about that matchup between those two teams? Yeah, today's going to be a nice little victory lap, especially coming in after last night. But overall, you know, I think going into the game, the, uh, what we said on here last week was the Red Sox' biggest chance to win was getting to Cole early and getting to the Yankees' bullpen, and the Yankees' best chance to win was to uh, get up early in the game, and obviously we saw Garrett Cole only got six outs, and when you're paying him $324 million, and I'm sure we'll hear from Robbie in a minute about this, six outs is inexcusable. I don't care whether it's the Wild Card game, Game 7 of the World Series, or May 3rd in Game 36 of the season. Getting six outs... Is, is really inexcusable. Garrett Cole did not step up and arguably the biggest start of his life. Yes, he's pitching World Series games, but in Houston, Justin Verlander was looked at as the alpha guy, right? Like Garrett Cole was 1B one, one to, to the 1A of Justin Verlander, but when you get paid $324 million, you are brought into New York as the guy. 
and and he got six outs in in Fenway. Look, last year he pitched in the postseason for the Yankees, but there were no fans in the stands. He didn't have to deal with anything with opposing crowds. His first time in a hostile environment, he gets lit up. Two run home run by Bogarts and a solo home run by Schwarber. Uh, the Yankees bullpen came in and they didn't they didn't hold it down. And besides Giancarlo Stanton, the Yankees offense didn't really show up. Giancarlo Stanton um, had three hits, had a home run in the ninth inning. Um, according to John Sterling, he had a Stantonian home run in the first inning. Um, uh, I mean that you know. And he was at the ballpark. You know, a lot of people thought John Sterling wasn't at the ballpark. He was at the ballpark indeed. Uh, I guess the ball just wasn't carrying. But besides Giancarlo Stanton, uh, nobody really hit for the Yankees. And that that was a huge issue throughout the season with their inconsistencies. And according to Hal Steinbrenner today, it looks like they will bring Aaron Boone back. A lot of people thought Aaron Boone would be on the hot seat after this. But a great win for the Red Sox. I mean, they got to Cole early in that game. Um, and then Alex Verdugo came up, had three RBIs. He now has more postseason RBIs with the Red Sox in five games, six games now than Mookie Betts did in 21 games with the Red Sox, which is crazy to think about. But big win for the Red Sox. Uh, the Yankee season ended early, and yeah, I mean, it came down to Garrett Cole not getting the job done. Now, Robbie, before we talked about the AO Wildcard games last week, I believe you said the Yankees, one of, if not the most inconsistently good teams in baseball, and I think we saw that on a full display during last week's AO Wildcard game. Two-part question. First, thoughts on Garrett Cole, as James said, not being the man to uh, step up during the AL wildcard game. See, yes, Garrett Cole needed to win that game. We are paying him $324 million, and it's frustrating to see him come up short for sure. I mean, it's inexcusable that he only went two-plus innings, giving up three runs, uh, walking two, and the big thing was the home run ball, obviously. Um the big thing that I thought about Garrett Cole's performance was that he was missing his location. Um, his slider wasn't breaking, and when it was breaking, he was leaving it over the heart of the plate. Changeup wasn't really breaking much, and when it was breaking, well, we saw Alexander Bogart did with that. So my big thing with Garrett Cole was that he just didn't – he looked nervous out there. And that's surprising because the Yankees, when they signed this guy, they thought this is the guy that's going to turn our franchise around, the guy we can trust in the big game situation – this reminded me of what was it, 2013 against the Cubs in the wild card game? Yeah. He lost to Jake Arietta. And I'm not I don't think it's a fair assessment for Yankee haters, such as maybe James or other fans who might say that Garrett Cole comes up short in big games because I don't think that's a fair assessment to Garrett Cole. I think Garrett Cole's pitched plenty of great games and big moments in his career. But this probably was the biggest start of his life and he just he came up short. And it's depressing because the Yankees signed him for moments like this. But I'm not. It's only the second year of that nine of that nine ten year deal, possibly. So I don't think we should really panic. I think the thing that we should panic about, though, is the fact that Brian Cashman wants to bring back uh, Aaron Boone and Hal Steinbrenner's one. It's his decision. Yeah, I got to ask you about the comments made by Hal Steinbrenner after the game. I believe he said something along the lines of, "Oh, the season was not a complete failure. The season was an absolute failure before the season started." Everybody in this studio, every baseball fan said the Yankees had no excuse not to win the the American League this year. They were the best team on paper by a long shot. It wasn't even close. And the fact that they lose in the wild card game, inexcusable. We can't blame injuries this year because the Yankees were healthy for most of the season. Aaron Judge didn't have many freak injuries. He had COVID earlier this year, but other than that, he was fine. John Carl Stanton didn't have his freak injury. Uh... They misplayed the whole Luke Voigt situation. Joey Gallo, he's been healthy since we got him. Anthony Rizzo, besides COVID, he's been healthy since we got him. We can't blame injuries this year like we can in previous years. It's just bad coaching, inconsistency, and they just didn't have heart. That was the big thing with this team this year. And they will, I guarantee you, the Yankees will make changes this offseason. It's not going to be Aaron Boone. 
but it's going to be somebody else. I was going to say, we have a history of when the Red Sox end up either beating the Yankees in the postseason or going on to win the World Series, and the Yankees don't, of the Yankees having an absolute ma- monster offseason afterwards. Could be headed towards that there. Uh, but as CC said, it's happened twice in the last four years when the yeah. Red Sox have rebooted. And one thing that I want to touch on with Cole real quick, you know, yes, Cole has had some big starts in big games, but overall in big games, like, he hasn't come through, and I think part of that is that his whole life he's been told how great he is. Like, he's he was number one overall pick. He he went to UCLA after getting drafted in the first round by the Yankees to become the number one overall pick. He, he coasted through the minors. Then when he got to Pittsburgh, he had a four ERA. Went to Houston, got down there, used the sticky stuff, was the man. Game one of the World Series that year against the Nats got roughed up at home. This year in the Wilds card game, on the road at Fenway, Yankees-Red Sox, got six outs, three earned runs in two innings. Like... Does he really need everything to go right for him? When you're getting paid $324 million, you shouldn't need the perfect circumstances, everyone to tell you how great you are, everything to go right for you to perform under pressure. Because that's your job. And as the highest paid pitcher in baseball, he needs to do that. And on a consistent basis, he hasn't done that in big games. Robbie and I may disagree on this, but so far right now, Cole Cole hasn't stepped up when he's needed to. Well, yeah, he did uh, come up short this season. There's no doubt about that. But if you look at last year when we lost to the Rays, or when the Yankees lost to the Rays in Game 5 of the ALDS, that was not Garrett Cole's fault. No, Garrett, I, I I agree with that. But I think also going Because Garrett Cole was great in that game. Right, but there were no fans. I don't. So you're saying the fans are the reason why he's come up short? No, I'm not saying the fans are the reason why he's come up short, but the, the playoff environment, the pressure. Like, there's obviously going to be less pressure in that game when it's an empty ballpark in San Diego compared to Red Sox-Yankees. I guess so. I mean, my big thing is, um, you know, Garrett Cole, when he pitched against the Yankees in, I think it was 2019 in the ALCS, Cole was great in that game. Absolutely lit the, shelled, knocked the Yankees out of the park. And then, I uh, was it game three of the World Series, game four? Uh, he, 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 got he, rough, pitched, he, he got roughed up in game one, but then shoved in game Yeah, four, I was going to say he showed up in game, and the next time he pitched. So, my thing is, I, I, I think it's a bit of an unfair I, assessment to say that Garrett Cole can't pitch. Yeah, in the we big can games. say it's a mixed bag. As, as yeah, yeah, that's fair. Breaking down the AO Wildcard game here on Nation's Pastime in the Nation's Capital. Just a reminder if you're just tuning in and you want to call in to discuss anything baseball, postseason, anything related, that number is 202 319 5106. 202 319 5106. So that's the AO Wildcard game, of course. Big stories there. Garrett Cole, did he come up short? And then, of course, the. Red Sox taking that big win and going on as well to win the ALDS. We'll get onto that in a second, but let's talk quickly about the NL Wildcard game. Not a whole lot to discuss here other than it was a great true pitcher's duel between two of the greatest the game has ever seen that ended up, you know, hats off to St. Louis, but ended up going in favor of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was a great baseball game. I think the biggest surprise was Scherzer not getting through five innings. I, I really thought Roberts was going to leave him in. Um, in the fifth inning there, but the Dodgers bullpen got it done. Chris Taylor came up with a timely hit when needed, and uh, you know that was a red hot Cardinals team that the Dodgers were able to fend off. And you know they they we'll get into this later. The Dodgers have obviously run into their problems with the Giants, but that was a great game. Um, you know Taylor came up when they needed too big. Bellinger got on base uh, when they needed him to, and you know the Dodgers moved on. Unfortunately, Robbie, we did not see Adam Wainwright versus Albert Pujols yeah. as you predicted. Well, that's what I would have liked to have seen, but. Uh, the Dodger bullpen was great. Dodger pitching was great, but can we talk about like just the Cardinals lineup? I mean, the, the lineup wasn't doing yeah. anything against the pitching. I they put up good at bats, I will say, but when it came to getting on base and to you know big hits with runners in scoring position, uh, the only person that got more than one hit was Tommy Edmond. He got three hits. The rest of the lineup, nobody got more than yeah, one. Yeah, he looked hit. great. Everyone else yeah. looked asleep. That's what I'm saying. And as a team, the Cardinals walked. Uh, they walked four times. So, you know, that's average. You know, which is all right, but 
I, I think talk about like fall or failing under big search, uh, circumstances. The Cardinals lineup just disappointed that game, and that was something that had been carrying them during that red hot winning streak. So. And I think one guy that we got to give credit to are the Dodgers bullpen, Joe Kelly, coming oh, in yeah. in the fifth, getting out, getting out of Scherzer's jam, stranding two guys on base. He did everyone did a tremendous job, but he came in in the highest leverage situation and really and really kept that game at bay. Without question, and like I said earlier, hats off to St. Louis. I mean, this was a team that back over the summer was in single digits for percent chance to make the postseason, and they fought a really hard battle at the end of the season. There, they won their 16 straight or whatever it was, and. You know, and they had a chance, and unfortunately they couldn't take down the highest payroll in all of baseball, but hats off to a great season, and luckily we'll be able to see at least one more with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina together. Also, another thing you got to give Cardinals credit for is, unlike many other teams, they didn't acquire a big name at the deadline. Yes, they did make moves for J-Hap and John Lester, but they're not the big guys. So, lots of credit to St. Louis. Yeah, another credit to St. Louis real quick. Luis Garcia, what a pickup that was. Guy was released by the Yankees, signed by the Cardinals, and he has just been unhittable since they signed him. Really, really good job by St. Louis this year in modeling their bullpen into something that was just a force to be reckoned with at times. Cardinals devil magic. It really is the Cardinals devil magic. I don't really have another way to explain it, but again, hats off to them. And Dodgers, of course, advance from the NL wildcard game to take on the Giants in the NLDS, which is currently happening. We'll get into that a little bit later, uh, but just a quick reminder, if you want to go ahead and call in about anything baseball-related, postseason-related, whatever it may be, 202-319-5106 is that number, 202-319-5106. Guys, shall we go back to the American League to talk about the first of the American League Division Series, the one that wrapped up last night, of course, between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Boston Red Sox. Tampa Bay Rays, of course, best team in the AL, 100 wins, and they unfortunately for the city of Tampa Bay became one of four 100-win teams to be eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. Who are the other three? I was going to say, can you guess them, Robin? Yes. Uh, The 2017 Indians. That's correct. 2019 Yankees. No. Or there was a Yankees team on there. 2018. 2018. There was a Twins team on there. 2019 Twins. You got it. And then the Rays, yeah. There you go. Four teams to be eliminated in the division series with 100 wins. Very unfortunate indeed for the Tampa Bay Rays and what I believe a lot of people would call an upset here with the wild card Red Sox knocking them out in four games. Was a great series indeed. Rays looked completely in control from game one, I would say. You know, we saw the scenes of them eating popcorn in the dugout and... We heard the uh, the rumors that they had their champagne sent up to uh, Boston to celebrate once they clinched. Unfortunately, not the case. Red Sox were able to take care of business in four games. Yeah, the Rays ran into a red-hot Red Sox team at the wrong time, and the Red Sox offense had 47 hits in the series, which is absolutely unheard of. Kike Hernandez, the hottest hitter on the planet right now, he... He reached base in seven consecutive at-bats, spanning from Games 2 to Game 3, a five-hit performance in Game 2. Walk-off sack fly last night, big home run in Game 3. Overall in the series, he hit 450. If if there was an ALDS MVP, it would probably go to Kike Hernandez unless they gave it to Nick Pavetta. Um, but Kike Hernandez really carried the load. But honestly, everyone really stepped up. JD Martinez on a bum ankle, big three-run home run on uh, on Friday night in Game Two. He had a great series overall, uh, hitting 455 in the series. Xander Bogarts he had he had two rough nights, two rough nights, but uh, you know in in games in games three and four, but still hit 333 in the series. And excuse me, JD at 467, not 455. Alex Verdugo continues to come through with a big double off the wall last night. He hit 316. Again, he has more RBIs with the Red Sox in the postseason in six games than Mookie Betts did in 21 games. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is the steady is the steady uh, tone setter at the top of the order. He hit 313 in the series. Hunter Renfro. You know, I I'm sure he'll get it going at some point in the ALCS. He really hasn't done much, but how can we forget about Christian Vasquez? 
He's a guy who was very inconsistent all season long offensively. He had 375 in the series, the big walk-off home run on uh, Sunday night in Game 3, his Carlton Fisk moment, as you could say. Um, it's the eighth. It's the eighth walk-off by home run by a catcher in, in MLB postseason history. Top to bottom, the Red Sox offense just completely took over this series and completely destroyed Tampa Bay's pitching. And whatever Tampa Bay threw at them between games two and four, the Red Sox had an answer to. And that and that's really what it came down to. The the Red Sox offense being able to out hit Tampa Bay and Alex Cora being able to maneuver his starters and his bullpen better than Kevin Cash could. Two takeaways from this series, one for each team. And let's talk about the Rays for a second here. Robbie, I think you would agree here. Biggest one for the Rays that's positive has to be the fact that they have Wander Franco for the next five yeah, years. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, Wander Franco showed in the series. He's legit. Now, the biggest thing before we get back to the Rays that I want to applaud the Red Sox on is their lineup is incredible, as James just said. If the Red Sox are going to win the World Series, it's going to be because of their lineup. Their pitching wasn't great in this series, but their offense scored so many runs to the point where even though their pitching wasn't great, it didn't matter. Their bullpen, as we as I mentioned the last few weeks, very questionable. I have a lot of questions about this bullpen. I don't like it at all. But if the offense scores as many runs, their pitching struggles doesn't matter. The yeah. other thing in the postseason, though, is that you can use starters in the bullpen that you yeah. wouldn't do. Like, yes, their their bullpen was their biggest weakness coming into the postseason. I completely agree. But <clears throat> Nick, how about Nick Pavetta? But between what he did in games one, games games three, game one, he kept them in the game. He pitched four innings, gave up two runs. You know, he he really saved the bullpen. Game three, four innings. Let me, let me pull up his line right here. He threw 140 pitches between games one and three. That's a 72-hour span, which is completely unheard of. He had his native Aldi, Madison Bumgarner, whatever you want to call it type moment. His performance wasn't on that level, but it'll be remembered by Red Sox fans forever. Pavetta on Sunday in game four, again in game three, went four innings, only gave up three hits, struck out seven, walked one. In relief. Yeah. Set through 73 pitches. He was incredible. And he was fired up. He was more fired up each time he came off the mound. He, he was truly incredible. It was it was a heroic performance that I'll remember for a while. He saved the Red Sox bullpen. Another Red Sox reliever I want to touch on, Garrett Whitlock. He's arguably a top-five reliever in the American League right now. Um, this is this is not about the Rule 5 at all. This, this, I, know, I, didn't I know, have, I know. He, he, James is 100% right. Garrett Whitlock is nasty. This is, by far, in my opinion, the best reliever in the Red Sox bullpen. But, but don't yes. worry yes, because— he, he is their— he is their like best reliever by far. He's probably their only true reliever because they're going to use Pavetta and argue, maybe Rodriguez. You know, we'll see how they deploy the bullpen. Potentially sail. You know, like they're they're going to use guys in relief in between starts. You know, probably besides Avaldi because they're going to want him to go as long as he can in starts. But how can a hybrid Tanner Houck did a great job in game two. Five five shutout innings after Sale gave up the grand slam. I mean that can't go understated. How he kept the Rays at bay and the Red Sox offense continued to roll. But Whitlock last night ended in game three. Came in two shutout innings last night. A shutout inning on on Sunday. He he's the man. I mean that changeup just falls off the table. He could be the best closer in the game if the Red Sox wanted to let him be a closer. But James, don't worry because the Yankees did choose to protect an absolute stud Brooks in Risky. the Rule Five draft where they let him go. I mean, we're talking about a big name right there. Of course, Robbie, isn't that? Right? <laughs> I just gotta know at what point. At what point do the Yankees say I'm tired of this? At what point do we say I'm tired of losing people to the Rule 5 draft? Why are we protecting this guy? You know, I know this isn't a Yankees segment, so I'm not going to talk about the Yankees. But gosh, golly, this is embarrassing. The Yankees needed Garrett Willock so badly in the postseason. Imagine if we still had him. Brooks Kriske's on the Orioles right now. <laughs> he's he's in their minor league system. Brooks Kriske was also single-handedly responsible for a Red Sox comeback win against the Yankees. You know, and honestly, <laughs> if the Yankees win that game, the wild card game is held in New York. Guarantee yeah, you, yeah. the entire series played it because John Carl Stan hit two balls that would have been monster home runs at Yankee Stadium. The the ridiculous green monster ruined our chances. 
So so what I'm hearing here is that Brooks Christie is the reason that the Yankees did not win the wildcard game. I think that he's a part of it, but I think the biggest reason why the Yankees were even in the wildcard game was because of Andrew Heaney. Oh, Andrew Heaney had a negative war with us. If Andrew Heaney is never a New York Yankee, the Yankees don't even have to worry about the wildcard game being played in Boston, and maybe they're able to get that first spot in the American Leagues. I don't want to talk about the Yankees, though. They disgust me. I'm sick of them. I'm sick of thinking about them. I'm sick of buying their merchandise. I'm sick of supporting this team. I'm done with them. Andrew Heaney, yes or no, the greatest acquisition at the trade deadline for the Red Sox. Pretty good one. Yes. Well, how about Kyle Schwarber? <laughs> yeah, no. Honestly, though, let's talk about Kyle Schwarber real quick before we go into the other um, uh, ALDS series, of he, course. He, he has been amazing. priority to resign yeah. Kyle Schwarber. Has yeah. To be. Well, here's the thing, right? And, and he was a guy that when he was traded, of course, was hurt um, from the Nationals to the Red Sox. Immediately, I remember texting James and saying, that is a great pickup. When he gets healthy, he's going to do wonders for this team. Big left-handed bat, especially with the pesky pole down there, and he really has done that. And he's come up clutch as well, by the way, in playing first base, a position that he is not used to playing normally. Yeah, he, made, he made a little bit of a, of a mistake on Sunday, and then he laughed at himself when he finally flipped the ball to first later in the game, held his hands up in the air like he just scored a game-winning goal in hockey. Uh, he's adjusted to first base well, and then late in the game when they need to take him out, they'll put Bobby Dahlbeck or Travis Shaw in there uh, for defensive purposes. But he really is the tone setter at the top of the order. He does a tremendous job. He has a great eye at the plate. He, uh, he Look, he sets the tone for the Red Sox order, and... He as Kyle Schwarber goes, the Red Sox offense goes, and you know he he's been tremendous in the postseason. And then two guys who you know we've talked about one of them here who have been really two uh, two of the best valued signings of the offseason, both Kike Hernandez and Hunter Renfro. Yeah, Hunter Renfro question. had a thirty homer, ninety nine RBI season, three million dollars, and he's got under club control for two more years. And then Kike Hernandez, two years, fourteen million dollars, was one of the best uh, center defensive center fielders in the league among defensive runs saved. Can also play second base. He's he's been a steady presence at the top of the order and in the field. Yeah, don't forget the outfield assist from Hunter Renfro as well. Been amazing yeah, in the, the field as well. Yeah, the most in baseball. Yeah, most the in most baseball. in baseball. 30 home runs, 90-plus RBI, a great season for Hunter Renfro. A guy who I believe is going to be getting a multi-year deal this offseason. Who? Hunter Renfro. He's got two more He's years of club control left. You're kidding me. He's on our I didn't kidding. even know He's that that deal was that. That's amazing. What a signing by the Red Sox there. I will echo your praises as well for the Kike Hernandez signing. And like I said... This guy, th- this is the kind of signing that when you make it, you know, if you get to the postseason, it's going to pay dividends. He's been there. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to perform in the big moments. And he showed that with, what was it, the seven straight yeah, hits? Yeah, tied a postseason record. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. So Red Sox, they're wrapping up that series. Win against the Tampa Bay Rays, oh, three games to one. Before we move on from the Red Sox, yeah. can I quickly touch on Nate Evaldi? Yeah, he sure. was tremendous in the wild card game, and he was tremendous against Tampa Bay. And I know his start against Tampa Bay will kind of get lost in the shuffle because of how late that game went. But he 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 start he set the first six batters down by way of the K. I think he had eight strikeouts overall in the night. The, besides the two run home run to Meadows, I mean that that was it. That that was really all he gave up on on uh, Sunday night. And then the wild card game against the Yankees, eight strikeouts, five and a third innings. I thought Cora should have left him out for longer. It ended up working out for the Red Sox. But Nate Evaldi's been their best pitcher all year, and his career ERA in the postseason is under two. He's, he's tremendous in the postseason. He steps up in the biggest moments. And Nate Evaldi deserves more love because he, he steps. He's a, he's a guy that you want on the mound in October, and he's nasty. I think, you know, he's called Nasty Nate for a reason. Everybody knows, you know, how nasty he is. When he's on, he's on. And, you know, that, that can't be understated. He's, he's slated to start game one on Friday. The Red Sox need to get Chris Sale right, but Nate Evaldi setting the tone on Friday would be huge. Definitely earning that contract that he got so far here in the postseason and throughout his time as a Red Sox. Moving on to the other ALDS series that wrapped up today. Uh, before that, quick reminder, if you want to call in with anything baseball-related to talk about, 202-319-516 is that number. 
202-319-5106. And guys, if your name is Andrew right now, you're not feeling too good based on your uh, postseason predictions that we did, uh, I believe it was a week ago, because the uh, World Series winner that I had, the Chicago White Sox, currently was eliminated today, and the Brewers are, I just checked, Game is tied at two. Game is no longer tied at two, actually. Oh, we wow. have a uh, 4-2 lead for the Brewers, so breathing breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief there that my other World Series oh, pick is still in it. That was literally 10 seconds ago. It literally was 10 seconds ago, I know. Um, but yeah, White Sox eliminated. It was just a bad series for them outside of Game 3. It looked like the Astros show. They were dominant. They were swinging the bats. All of their core pieces were delivering. Their pitching stepped up as well. Just It really showcased why this Houston Astros team it legitimately should be considered a serious World Series contender if, if you still don't think they are. Because a lot of people obviously writing them off and didn't want to even consider them one because of the scandals that have happened in the past. And what, no matter what your opinions are on the Houston Astros, I know there's a lot of us here in the studio, a lot of us throughout the country of the United States that don't want to see them win the World Series. But you know what? They're a pretty darn good baseball team. Yeah, their offense is relentless. I mean, I think you think about Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve. Kyle Tucker has been their best hitter since the start of September. He won AL uh, Player of the Month for September. He's had an incredible October. That lineup is relentless and it's deep. And Lance McCullers anchors that rotation. He he led the league in lowest opponent batting average and lowest uh, uh, home runs per nine and lowest slugging percentage, lowest on uh, lowest OPS. He's been tremendous all year. And the pitching can get a little suspect after McCullers, but they can piece it together and they can out hit teams. So I think that's why the Red Sox Astros ALCS will be an interesting matchup because it's two offensive heavy teams against two teams that. Uh, you know, the 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 back end of the rotation of the bullpen aren't exactly their strength. Now, Robbie, got to ask you. Um, this is another. Let me ask you, as a person who also had the White Sox in the World Series. I mean, thoughts on what went wrong this series for them? Because outside of Game Three, they looked like they were lost. I don't think anything went wrong for the uh, White Sox. I think the Astros were just that good. Just too good. And, yeah, and another thing that I don't think people credit enough for the Astros, they actually have a really good bullpen. Their bullpen was really good in this series. Obviously, you got Kendall Graveman. Phil Maton, he's really good. Ryan Stanek, really good. Ryan Presley, another really good piece. The Astros' bullpen's actually really good. I know that they kind of have a reputation as a really struggling bullpen, but here's the thing. The bullpen's fine, and I, I, I know that you know the back end of the rotation may not be great, but... At the same time, I think the bullpen's good enough to the point where they can carry it. So the Astros' bullpen was great. Their lineup was really good. And I don't think that's any discredit to the White Sox because the White Sox were fine, I thought. you know, uh, I did think Tony, Tony La Russa overmanaged, but other than that, I thought they were fine. Yeah, well, what else is new, right, when it comes to <laughs> Tony La Russa and overmanaging? Um, of course, that yeah. pitching the pitching was amazing. I agree with you completely. And one of the big pieces that was good for them, Lance McCullers Jr., unfortunately, oh, we got word today from Dusty Baker after the game, he left in the fourth inning due to shoulder discomfort. That's going to be a big blow if he's not able to pitch in the ALCS for yeah, the I mean, Astros. I, he, w- he wouldn't have been slotted to start Game 1 anyway. But, yeah, that would be a huge right. one. Game 1's on Friday, so at best you were looking at short rest for Game 2. But, I mean, look, th- if, if if he for some reason is limited in this series, that's a huge advantage for the Red Sox. Obviously, it's too early to tell if there's going to be any disadvantage or not uh, for McCullers. But we'll see what happens. Again, this Astros offense is probably the scariest in the league. I mean, it's two, it's two of the best offenses going up at each other right now, the Red Sox and the Astros, and it's going to make for an entertaining series. I think it's going to go seven games, and I'll reveal my prediction a little bit later in the show. All right, sounds good. Let's hop over to the National League, where we have two series that are still going on. As we said, of course, Brewers and Braves in Game 4. Brewers currently leave that 4-2 to two in the top of the fifth inning. They're still batting there with a guy on first and one out. 
see what happens there with that one as the Braves try to clinch tonight and head on to the NLCS. They don't know who they will be playing yet, though, because that other series has their Game 4 happening tonight as well. Giants, Dodgers, and guys, let's start with this one because that series has been an absolute treat to watch. Isn't that right, Robbie? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, the Giants and Dodgers series, you mean? Oh, yeah. It's been yeah. amazing. Yeah, 100%. Um, a lot of great, exciting baseball. The Giants, I think, are just one of the most exciting teams to watch because they got so many big, not big names, and to see them just step up this way is really great, you know? Um, they made Walker Buehler look terrible in the first game. They've been beating the Dodgers' bullpen, and everything's going right for the Giants. I know that they didn't look too great in Game 2, but I really like this team going forward. So let me ask you, unless you want to save it for later, are we seeing a Giants clinch tonight? Because they've looked pretty good. I think so. Because right. I think, okay, Walker Buehler, first time in his career pitching on three days rest, I think that's going to be an, I think that's going to play an impact. Um, also, they just they beat Walker Buehler in game one. You know, everything he was throwing, they were hitting. So I don't see why they wouldn't be able to hit him three days after they just shelled him in game one. Yeah, how about uh, James? I'll ask you about uh, last night's game there, game three. A pitcher's duel down to the very end. Evan Longoria, the difference maker for them, a solo home run for a one nothing victory given to the Giants, playing in Los Angeles. Now, Longo's been doing this for a while. I think a lot of people forget this, but his first postseason game ever back in 2008, he had a two-homer game. And this is a guy who, let me just take a second to say, one of the more underrated stars of the past 10 years. I, I truly think so. For sure. Evan Longoria does not get as much praise or as much attention as he as he deserves because he played in Tampa Bay for so long, and then he didn't go to San Francisco until the later part of his career. But he, he's he's put together a phenomenal career. I mean, he should have more than three all-star appearances, more than two or three gold gloves, more than three silver sluggers. He, he's, he's been tremendous. And the home run last night was the difference in the game, and he continues to deliver in the clutch. Max Scherzer pitched brilliantly. Seven innings, one run ball. Um, you know, 10 strikeouts. I mean, what more do you expect out of Max Scherzer in the playoffs? And it's, it's too bad the Dodgers offense couldn't come through. Tyler Rogers, Alex Wood. They uh, You know, the Giants combined to pitch a gem. Uh, Jake McGee... What can you say about the Giants? They keep finding ways to win, somehow, some way. Brandon Crawford, great defensive play down in the seventh inning on the line drive, leaped up there, snagged it. Gavin Lux thought he hit it out to end the game, just missed it, just missed it. It had an 890 expected batting average, just missed it. Um, but, you know, right now, tonight, we got Di Scofani, we got Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller in his last start, yes, gave up two bombs, but really, besides those two bombs, he, he, you know, he kept the Dodgers in the game. He, pitch, he pitched well. It was two two mistakes in two, you know, a rough first inning, to, a rough first inning where he let the guy on, made a made a bad three zero pitch to Posey, hit it out, and then pitched well late in the game, made another mistake. You know, it happens. Discofani, he's ready for this moment. I think the Giant right now, the Giants are a team of destiny. You can kind of just sense it that they smell blood in the water. They don't want it to go back, even though it would go back home. They don't want it to go back to San Francisco with with Udi as potentially waiting in the wings. They want to end it tonight with Discofani. They would have Gossman ready in Game Five. I've got the Giants tonight. They keep finding ways to somehow win baseball games. They've given the Dodgers everything they can handle this year in this series. I, I, I think San Francisco closes it out tonight. I think we need to give some credit to Logan Webb as well. He was absolutely brilliant in Game Webb 1. Webb was phenomenal. I mean, yeah, he, just he, incredible. He, he shoved. Yeah. And I think it's just amazing to see a guy like Anthony DiSclefani pitch like this. I mean, he had 3.17 ERA this year. I mean, did anybody expect that? The Giants just have had so many guys step up and perform really well this year, and I'm just amazed by it. And I think if the Giants smell blood in the water tonight, don't be surprised to see Logan Webb come out for an inning or two out of the bullpen. I Like, yes, obviously, if if the situation is, is really dire or whatever, they would save him for Game 5, but if they smell blood in the water, 
don't be surprised to see Webb come out or or Gossman because if Webb is starting Game Five, then then they they would go to Gossman. Don't I mean? Look, you manage the postseason differently. Gabe Kapler's pushed all the right buttons this year. He's pushed all the right buttons in this series. Don't expect, uh, I mean, expect him to be aggressive. I- expect him to make all the right moves. Yeah, like like Robbie said, there's a touch on that. It seems like everything has just gone right for the Giants in the way of players having their career years this year. I think that's a big part of why they're doing as well as they are. But also just credit to the front office for assembling these guys. A lot of these guys were not here last yeah, year. Yeah, Farhan Zaidi's done a great job. Done a fantastic job picking out guys who really have just come together to form what I believe truly is one of MLB's most cohesive teams. Maybe not the most talented team, especially not the most talented team on paper, but they are cohesive. They're a team that plays together. And, you know, there's not a sabermetric in the world that can measure that. And and this 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 isn't a short-term thing where the Giants are just a fluke for a year or two, then they go back. They're building a monster. Farhan Zaidi came over from the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was with the Dodgers and Andrew Friedman for six years. He They have a great farm system. They are, they are building... The you know the West Coast Tampa Bay Rays, you know you know whatever you want to call it. That's, like, a, right? that's a good way to put it, right? Like I mean I know the you know the Dodgers have have been called the West Coast Tampa Bay Rays, but the Giants are building their own empire. You know the Dodgers' reign is going to come to an end at some point. It maybe it will come to an end if they lose in this series, but the Giants are here to stay. And and you talk about another team that's done a tremendous job. You know the the Reds are the Red Sox going to be the new Rays in terms of like building a sustainable team who knows but these two teams right now two teams that nobody expected to do anything this year one is in the league championship series and the other one is on the verge of going to the league championship series two teams that aren't going anywhere for a while that have a lot of talent and really good farm systems that would be quite the world series if it goes that way i mean i would i would absolutely love to see that and it has of course nothing to do with the fact that they are uh, facing the Astros and the LCS Quick reminder, if you want to call in with anything baseball-related to talk about, that number is 202-319-5106. 202-319-5106. Guys, we got one more series to talk about. We've been updating you throughout the night on it, but let's talk about the first three games of the Brewers-Brave series because, honestly, it seems like both teams have forgotten how to hit outside of maybe Jock Peterson. Yeah, no, definitely. Also, I think the Braves losing uh, Jorge Soler today I think is also going to make an impact for today's game, but... Uh, yeah, no, the the Braves and Brewers pitching has been absolutely exceptional. I mean, yes, the lineup has struggled, but I think you also got to give some credit to the pitching at some point. I mean, I look at some of the guys who have been pitching, and they, they just look great overall. Um, Charlie Morton didn't look too great today, so I think that could be a big impact is what happens at the end of this game. But um, I think pitching has been good for both sides. Yeah, I mean, pitching's been great, James. I think yeah, you agree. Pitching's been the name of the game. The what the the one thing that we all said about the Brewers coming into the postseason was that would they have the offense to compete? And so far, you know, t- today they're up four two. But going into this game, it was really a three a two run homer from Rowdy Tellez in game one, and that was it. They were shut out in game two. They were shut out in game three. Yelich didn't come through in game three. Had a had, he was the tie run could could have tied the game with a three run homer or at least, homer or at least made it interesting with the ball in the gap, but he grounded into a double play. Great turn by Dansby Swanson. The Braves have played great defense all series. Austin Riley big home run in game two. Jo- Welcome to Jocktober. Big uh, Jock Peterson two pinch hit home runs in the series. Uh, I don't know if it's the pearls. I don't know if if it's the weather in Atlanta. Whatever it is, it's working for Jock Peterson. Anthony Rizzo's bat. Yeah, Anthony Rizzo's bat. Yeah. Um, you know Charlie Morton going on short rest today. Interesting move. I like it though. I like the aggression by Brian Snicker. Smell blood in the water. Go 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 get the series at home. And they knew he was going to be limited today. They, you know they, they knew he wasn't he wasn't going more than three or four. Um, but you know they got Max Fried waiting in the wings tomorrow. And I, they don't want this thing to go back to Milwaukee. But if it does, Max Fried versus Corbin Burns is going to be a nice little treat for every baseball fan out there. Oh, without question. I'd pay to see that. Yeah, and Max Fried looked great in Game 2. I think he threw five shutout innings, was it? He was absolutely incredible. Yeah, six. So Six shutout innings. So the big thing is that if he pitches, or the Braves are pretty much set for Game 5 if it gets to there. But um, 
The Brewers have looked good today so far. I mean, they have the 4-2 lead at the bottom of the fifth inning, so let's see if they can keep it. Uh, the bullpen's been fine in this series, I thought, other than I think it was uh, Game 3. I think it was a bullpen loss. Was it For game? the Brewers? Yeah. That was one eight, uh, Hauser. Yeah, what gave was up that the 3-run home run. Game that was three. yesterday. That was, yep. Yeah, it was just him. It was Game 3. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah. besides that 3-run home run he gave up, the bullpen's been really good for the Brewers, which is surprising because last week we were all saying the key for the Brewers is their bullpen, but the bullpen's actually been fine overall, and they're still finding themselves down in the series. Uh, the lineup has definitely been bad, though. Christian Yelich has really struggled, and I think that they got a lot of uh, flaws in their lineup right now. Yeah, Christian Yelich just not looking like himself. I know last year and this year, of course, struggled with injuries both times, but he just looks completely lost. And this was a guy that two years ago easily was considered one of, if not the best hitters in the National League. I mean, what a fall from grace. you got to hope that for the Brewers' sake that he picks it up and, and returns the form either during this postseason or next year because, you know, they are a very, very good team right now and one that could make it to the World Series. But with Christian Yelich performing as Christian Yelich, they're a legit elite team. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's almost like somebody on the show said that once he got that contract extension, it wasn't going to work out. I mean, ah, I wonder who that, that was. Yeah. yeah, I think someone did say that, and that, that was a good call by Robbie here because so far it's been two years, not looking too hot. Of course, we got six more years of that. No, never know how it's going to turn out. I believe he is twenty nine. I want to say he's twenty nine, so he's still right in his prime. And I, and I think going back to that, I mean, you saw how how pivotal he was in 18 in the postseason coming up with big yeah. hits, and then in 19 he wasn't there in the Wilds card game, and they ended up losing in that one-game playoff. I mean, if they if, if if he's healthy in 19, they might have ended up winning that Wild card game and changed the whole complexion of the postseason as the Nats went on to win that World Series. But, I, you know, going back to Yelich, something clearly isn't right, but Milwaukee as, a, as an offensive whole, just the, they are not right. Like, that, they are not getting clutch hits. Avasail Garcia, uh, you know, Willie Adamas, they all need to hit. They all need to hit the ball more consistently because right now their team, their individual averages are are not good in this series. Colton Wong too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's everyone. It's a collective team failure right now. Rowdy Telez hit a four hundred forty eight foot bomb today. I mean, that he's really the only one that stepped up and hit in this series. Yeah, I would say him and Omar Navarez have yep. been the best, but uh, Navarez might be down right now, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, actually, that was uh, they subbed Manny Pena in. So Manny, oh, Pena, Manny Pena, yeah, what he's referencing to, if you're not watching the game, Ozzy Albies just fouled one, fouled one uh, into the uh, leg area for Manny Pena and did not look like he took it very well. He he is still in the game and catching, but uh, yeah, that not not something you want to see. Yeah, well, well I, I'm not sure if you guys saw this because we were on air, but there was a controversial play about 20 minutes ago where Luis Arias caught a ball, but it it looked like it hit the ground right before he caught it. They called it an out, oh. but the ball doesn't lie. Next batter, two-run single tie game. Wow, I did not see that. Ball so that's lie. what the ball don't lie, yeah. Wow, did not see that at all. So that that was the uh, hit that did tie the game there at two yeah, before yeah, they took yeah. the lead again. Wow, yeah, I mean, uh, the... <laughs> Let's just say the postseason this year has not been without its uh, interesting and controversial plays, of course. And I think, of course, we didn't really talk about it during the ALDS, but why don't we talk about it now? We have 20 more minutes left in the show. By the way, if you want to call in and talk about this player, anything else baseball-related, 202-319-5106 is the number. Um, but, yeah, that play in Game 3 of the ALDS, Red Sox, Rays, fly ball out to right field. Nick Pavetta in the middle of his amazing pitching performance. Definitely helped him out, I'd say. Of course, ended up not mattering because Christian Vasquez hit the two-run home run. But Kevin Kiermeyer, I believe it was, who hit the ball, bounces off the wall in right field, bounces off Alex Verdugo. Was he out in right? Hunter Renfro. Hunter, Hunter Renfro, Renfro was out in right. Hits Hunter Renfro and goes into the stands. One of the more strange plays I've ever seen, not only in postseason but in baseball the past couple of years. It was, of course, rule-to-ground rule double. That was confirmed to be true. Uh, the rule book states that if it unintentionally 
lands in play, then hits a uh, fielder, then goes into the crowd. It is a ground rule double. But a lot of people upset, especially Tampa Bay Rays fans, because flying around that bases was, I believe it was, was it Franco in front of him? No, it was. Um, I thought it was Yandy Diaz. It was Yandy Diaz yeah. that was batting in front of him. He was flying around the bases. He would have easily scored, of course. Had to hold there at third, and Nick Pavetta got the job done, uh, keeping them off the board. And it didn't matter after that, a two-run home run from Christian Vasquez. Yeah, and then going back to that play, I mean, that, that's something that actually went in the Rays' favor in 2019. It was an, an obscure game, but it's been servicing the internet the last couple of days. There was a ball that went off Tommy Pham like that. He went to scoop to field a ground ball, and it hit off the heel of his glove. Went into the stands. A run would have scored for Toronto. Kevin Cash came out and argued. Got the runner sent back to third. Got the batter sent back to first or second, wherever he was. Um, so, I mean, according to the rulebook, yes, it was the right call. The umpires got the call right. Sam Holbrook, the crew chief, made sure they got the call right. And and as Alex Cora mentioned after the game, like he hadn't seen a replay, but when he worked on TV, he learned of two things from Boog Shambi, ground rule doubles and automatic doubles. That was one of those automatic doubles that just sets in. It's, you know... You know, you normally on on ball like fan interference is up to the umpire's discretion, but on a ball like this, it's not. It, it's treated like a ground rule double. You get two bases, and 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 that's what happened. You know, the red the Red Sox ended up winning the game. They they won by two. So like the 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 run that would have scored had the ball not gone into the stands wouldn't matter. But at the end of the day, the umpires got the call right, and it was an unfortunate break for Tampa. But. You know, yeah, I, I like if the, if the shoe was on the other foot, I probably would have been upset about it just because like that's that's tough to lose. But at the end of the day, I mean, you you, you have like this hasn't happened in a hundred years, so like everyone crying for the rule to be changed, like it, why? Like Fenway is one of the only places that it's probably going to happen. It's happened once or twice in a hundred years. Like it's not like it's something that needs that a present needs to be set for. But they got the call right, and and that's baseball. That is indeed baseball, absolutely, and you know. Quite the series indeed, like James said, ended up not mattering overall, but, you know, looking forward, we have an exciting ALCS starting... Here's another thing about the race. Yeah, go for it. Analytics might work in a 162-game season, but in a short, condensed series, analytics, money ball with the A's back in the early 2000s, that stuff doesn't work in a short postseason series. Good pitching, good offense, good defense wins. Not analytics. Well, not taking pitchers out when you think you should. Yeah. Not openers. Not the bullpen game. Not you know having having you know player X hit six because he sees seventy two percent fastballs. Where analytics doesn't work in the postseason. Rob, I got to ask you about this because I think you'd agree more than anyone that the Rays one of their biggest strengths coming into not only this postseason but the season was just their unbelievable pitching, their bullpen, the way that literally these guys who essentially are no names to casual baseball fans were going out there and throwing hundred miles an hour and shutting batters down. And they just did not show up this series. Their bullpen was not good, and neither were their starters. I mean, it's tough for me to say that the bullpen wasn't good. I think you just got to give credit to the Red Sox offense. I mean, that's fair. I mean, to me, like, you know, going back to that series, uh, the umpires definitely didn't help the Rays. You know, the Red Sox caught a lot of breaks for sure, that ground rule double. But also there was a lot of missed calls last night, as you probably know, like a lot of uh, balls were being called strikes against the Rays and both teams. Ron Cole was just bad. I mean, the umpire, either way, umpiring was pretty bad last night, but it didn't really have an impact on the game. Um, I do think it's unfair to say that the Rays bullpen was really bad because I think at the end of the day, you just got to give credit to the Red Sox offense. I mean, they were hitting everything that was being thrown, not just last night and throughout the entire series, minus game one, because in game one, they couldn't score. But so I think it was Kike Hernandez was somebody fired up that Red Sox dugout after they weren't they weren't hitting the ball well in game two. Somebody fired them. I think it was actually Alex Cora fired the team up, and since then they were just hitting everything. It was crazy. Robbie, do you agree with James' statement about the whole sabermetric money ball, whatever you want to call it, thing not working the postseason? Because this is yet another time where the Rays are one of, if not the best teams in the American League in baseball, and they come short. 
See, I think when it comes to sabermetrics, I think it's good in building your team. But when it comes to managerial decisions, I think that it works to a certain extent. The Rays are obviously known for analytics, but it seems like every team nowadays is known for analytics. Right, um, but the Rays differ because while all teams rely on analytics now, that's just how it is. You know, Billy Bean changed the game when he introduced that, and that's fine. But the difference with the Rays is their model is not the superstar model. Every other team has a superstar that they've either paid a ton of money for or that was homegrown that is kind of the anchor of that team. And the Rays very early on decided we're not going to be that type of team. And if we get a guy like that who is homegrown, as soon as he becomes too expensive, we're going to trade him or let him walk. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. But when it comes to, if you're not going to pay guys then you need analytics when it comes to building your team, that's kind of the main point that I'm trying to make. Yeah. I mean, like the Houston Astros utilize analytics perfectly. I mean, they've been they made the ALCS the last five years, and they've built their team around analytics. So when it comes to building your team around, I think that you need analytics. But when it comes to managerial decisions, you know, when to take out a pitcher, what to do at certain moments, I don't think you should use analytics. I think that should be a gut instinct. And I think that that's one of, you know, several managers' uh, big issues in baseball nowadays. I mean, that's the thing. It, it, Kevin Cash has been known to be the kind of guy who can't make those decisions, yet he's won AL Manager of the Year, and he's still considered one of the better ones. I mean, heck, we had a discussion last week with someone who said he should manage the Mets, and I, I, both of us said, Robbie, that, hey, if he's a if he's a free agent manager, every team in baseball is calling in on him. But right. then again, you make a good point because you need a manager there who, in your opinion, needs to make those tough calls and not just base them on whatever the computer says. And to flip that, that's where Alex Cora comes in. Right. right like he's done a tremendous job. He's, he's in as a bench coach and as a manager. He's undefeated in postseason series, and he's won five. He's won the most. Um, he's won the second most uh, elimination or clinching games without a loss. He's won five clinching games without losing one. Uh, game four against the Yankees in eighteen. Game five against the Astros in eighteen. Game five against the Dodgers, and then the wild card game, and now this to to start off his career. That's second behind Terry Francona. Um, but look at all the buttons that Alex Cora pushes, and he deserves a lot of credit for this. I mean, he's the one who believed in this team, who fired up this team from day one in spring training. But starting Eduardo Rodriguez in game four after he got shelled in game one, he only got five outs. He was terrible in game one. He was tremendous last night. N- not going back to sale at all. Yes, he warmed up for one inning last night, but he didn't end up going into the game. And I thought he should have started game four. I think a lot of people thought he should have come in in relief or started game four. Going to Nick Pavetta in Game 3. Going to Tanner Houck in Game 2. Five shutout innings. Then going to Houck last night. Going to Garrett Whitlock. Pushing all the right buttons. Alex Cora deserves a tremendous amount of credit. And so does Eduardo Rodriguez, obviously, last night for stepping up. But that's where somebody like Alex Cora comes in. He uses, you know, he if, if the lineup's not broke, don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Use the same lineup. Make the right calls with who's starting, who's coming in in relief. And that's where managers make their money in the postseason. And Alex Cora has been money for the Red Sox in 18 in the postseason and now in 2021. Without question, if you're not keeping track also of the NLDS game going on right now, still 4-2 Brewers. Bases are loaded, though, in the bottom of the fifth for the Atlanta Braves. They got Jock Peterson up again. He's done a lot of damage this series. And warming up in the bullpen, it looks like I completely missed that. Did anyone see who that was? No. So ready for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. Not sure who it is, but uh, Ashby not looking too hot right now. Hit a batter, walked a batter, and we will keep you updated on that series for sure. That hit, did you see that hit by pitch? I did, but hey, it counts the same in the the, uh, scorecard. Yeah, it was an (laughs) 0-2 curveball, and it just barely tipped. I think it was Austin Riley, so. Uh, It might have been Duvall. Oh, was it Adam Duvall? Yeah. I didn't see the guy's face. Oh, the Braves just scored a run, I think. They did score a run. 4-3 now, Fielder's Choice. Close one in Atlanta. Brewers trying to get that series even and force a game five back home at Milwaukee. Braves, of course, trying to get that done. And yeah, the uh, what was it, 88 or 89 win Braves really trying to make the NLCS here. 
to potentially play uh, one of the not potentially they will play a hundred win team if they make That's it. Why October is all about getting hot. It's not always about who's best, it's who's hot at the right time, and who believes in themselves. And here's the thing, James. Do you like that? Because there's a lot of baseball fans who don't like that. Who don't like what? Who don't like that? It's whoever gets hot at the end of September and October who ends up making the World Series. You know, it's almost like. A lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play the beauty of baseball. No, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Like, say there's um, people who like it back when it was, you know, the, the best team in two league, the best team in both leagues play each other. Those winner of those two go to the World Series. And, you know, they think it gave the regular season more meaning. Is what I've heard a lot. Do you agree with that? You too, Robbie. Well, like, I do mean, you guys agree with this? You want to go first? Well, no. I was just going to say that goes back to what you were saying earlier about the five 100 or the four 100 win teams. Yeah. I mean, the regular season doesn't really matter, and I think that that's starting to be proven. Well, okay. It does matter. You got to win games, but I think, as you know, James and Andrew said, you got to get hot at the right time. And that's why I thought the Yankees were going to make it really far because I yeah. thought they were going to get hot come playoff time. Turns out they didn't. Do you and think rest- that's good though? The fact that the regular season is potentially meaning less and less. Yeah, absolutely. Because you look at a team like you look at a sport like the NBA. In the NBA, it's mostly talent based, right? And the postseason doesn't bring as much excitement because you're seeing the same teams every single year. Whereas baseball, we're getting different teams in the World Series every year. So I think that's why it's really good for baseball, despite what some fans say. Okay. I, I think the regular season means just as much or even more because it, the the wild card game incentivizes you to win your division. And if you have a better record, you get home field advantage either in the you know in in one of the earlier rounds or in the World Series if you make it that far. So I don't think the World Series is, I, I don't think the regular season has any less meaning. I think it actually has more meaning because with just the one wild card, oh, it didn't really matter if you won the division or got your wild card. Right, you were you were going to make the playoffs. Everyone wants to avoid that one game playoff. Now you got to burn your ace. You got to win one game against a potentially very hot team coming in. You never know what can happen in one game. Going back to your original question about the the best team, right? Right. If you're the best team, you're going to win in the postseason. I mean, just because you have a hundred wins doesn't mean you're quote the better team. You still have to go prove it in a five or yes, it is easier in a five series to game series to flame out than in a seven game series. But you still have your chances to prove it. It's not a one game scenario like the wild card game where the better team could lose. Just because another team is hot, if you're that much better, you're going to fend them off. I mean, that's a great point, James. Right? I was going to say, I, I agree so 100%. Like, like, yeah. Like, I think, you know, a- after this season, like, you could make the argument that the Red Sox had a better season than both the Yankees and the Rays. And they, I mean, they did. Like, they, they eliminated both of them. And it's like, yes, the, the Rays won 100 games, but it didn't matter come postseason time. I mean, regardless of what happened in the series, I think the Red Sox had a better season than the Yankees and Red Sox, or the Yankees and Rays overall. Just because the Red Sox were deemed as, you know, a potential yes, fourth. Yes, team. that's fair yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. But no, I definitely agree though. My big thing is with the regular season. I think as long as you can make the playoffs, I think it's good because we've seen teams that went that were in the wild card game make the World Series the last few years. The so I think that's some, yeah. yeah, the Nationals. You know, uh, then the Do- yeah. the Dodgers could this year. The Red Sox could this year. Like yeah. just the teams that are still in. I mean, the, it wouldn't like I Don't think the, the Royals. Right, right, right. And the, and the Astros, I think, one year, right? They beat the Yankees in the wild card game. I think that was 2015. They didn't make it. Oh, no, not 2015. Yeah, yeah. Never mind, yeah. And Atlanta just tied the game. Yeah, 4-4. That's a uh, RBI single from, looked like... Travis Darno, yeah, Travis Darno doing some damage. Four four game in Atlanta as uh, Milwaukee's starting to sweat a little bit. They really uh, <laughs> they need to win here. There's no question about it. The force that game five. I think I might have jinxed the Brewers bullpen. By the way, <laughs> I think we jinxed every single team that we picked because so far me and you, Robbie, have just been dead wrong. I mean, were you guys both Brewers White Sox in the World we Series? We were both Brewers White Sox, <laughs> and he had the Brewers winning, and I had the White Sox winning. I also I think we both got the championship series wrong too. We got that wrong. We both got both. No, no, no. We both got I, one wild card game wrong. I picked. Yeah, I picked the White Sox and the Yankees in the ALCS, yeah. and then in the NLCS, yeah. I picked. I think it was the. I think I picked the. I know. Oh, I, okay, so I. We'll see if the Giants get tonight. But I picked the Giants. I think it was the Brewers. So. So if if the Brewers end up losing tonight, 
and the um, Dodgers end up somehow forcing Game 5 and winning, every single pick that I had for the entire postseason will be incorrect. You also had the Phillies making the playoffs before the season started. <laughs> Well, no, I'm, I'm talking about the ones we made last week, the ones before the season or whatever. We didn't know anything. Nobody had the Giants in, nobody had the yeah, Brewers in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so, for reminding me that it has been 10 long years, Robbie. Thank so you. Going, going back to the league championships, quickly, Red so- let's break down Red Sox-Astros the last five minutes. Yeah, of course. You have two great offenses going at it. You have McCullers and Ovaldi as the clear aces of each staff. But then after that, it's a lot of unknown. Yes, you have Chris Sale. When he's healthy, he's a top-five pitcher in the game. Still probably not fully healthy coming off Tommy John. I th- and I think we can all agree on that. Like he's, and I'm for not sure. making excuses for him. That's like that's just what it is. But he has to step up if the Red Sox are going to go win this series, win the World Series, whatever. He has to step up. Nick Pavetta has to continue to pitch well. Erod has, con- has to continue to pitch well. They have to. Con- Alex Cora has got to continue to work his magic and use the bullpen in ways that you wouldn't think. Tanner Houck, you know, whatever role they use him in, keep he's pitched really well so far. The offense is going to hit. It comes down to all of the pitchers besides Evaldi and Whitlock because Evaldi and Whitlock will show up. They will like they are their two best pitchers. They, Garrett Whitlock has probably been the b- best Red Sox player this entire season. He has saved their season a bunch. You know, you could make the argument for, yeah, of course, Devers. You know, but he and Hunter Renfro, two Red Sox savers this year. I've got the Red Sox in seven. I think it's going to be a tremendous series. Alex Cora going up against his old team, Dusty Baker, looking to get, uh, you know, to the world, back to the World Series, looking to win that World Series. I think the Red Sox offense will be just enough. The Red Sox pitching will do just enough. Red Sox in seven in a tremendous ALCS. Well, James, I was going to ask you, do you think if Chris Sale performs the way that he did in the ALDS, do you think the Red Sox can still win the series if Chris Sale has two bad outings? Uh, it depends how they use him. It depends, it depends how they deploy everyone else. If they can, if, if he does have another bad outing and they move him to the bullpen and he performs like David Price did, then yeah, they still can win. It all depends on how he performs out of the bullpen. So but if, yes, he must perform better out of the rotation. I've, what I think is interesting, though, is if Chris Sale pitches in, let's say, Game 2, if he is terrible, do the Red Sox even start him again in maybe like a Game 6 or 7? Uh, probably, but they could also use him out of that David Price role in the bullpen. Yeah. Because when David, when David Price went to the bullpen in 17, he pitched really well after getting shelled. And same in 18, too, before he fixed in the rotation. James, you mentioned it being pretty much an unknown in terms of pitching after those two. I don't think I'd agree with that for the side of the bullpen because, and I wrote this down here in my uh, show notes as well, if the Red Sox are going to somehow make the World Series, what they did last night is unacceptable when it comes to the bullpen. They need to be better outside of Garrett Whitlock, of course. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. When you were saying that there's unknowns after those two, were you saying pitching or just starting pitching? Because I, I took this meant pitching, because I think the Astros are clearly not a bunch of unknowns when it comes to the bullpen. No, I, I was more saying in terms of the Red Sox. Oh, okay. Oh, you were yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. just the Red Sox. Yeah, it mainly. Okay. I, like, yes, that, like, the Astros the Astros don't have no names, but, I mean, it's it's not smooth sailing in the bullpen, you know. It's no, not, by no means, but it's also not close for which one's better, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, r- r- on paper, the Astros' bullpen is better, but Alex Cora knows how to use his bullpen. And I have confidence in Ryan Brazier stepped up, you know, last night he didn't pitch well, but in September and the first few games of the postseason, he pitched really well. Hansel Robles... You know, he, he before Sunday he hadn't given up an earned run since August twenty eighth. Tanner Howe continued to be used well to the bullpen. Garrett Whitlock. I mean, look, Alex Cora is, is pressing the right button, so I trust the guys that he uses. I trust the guys that he calls upon. He's he, you know he's working his magic. I ha- I'm starting to get you know I'm starting to have a little bit of trust in the Red Sox bullpen. Yes, it makes me nervous every time that somebody comes in besides Garrett Whitlock, but I I do trust the guys that Cora puts out there, and I think and I think they can get it done. You know, I think Cora knows how Houston operates. He knows how to pitch to him. We saw that in 18 in the LCS. I think it's going to be a tremendous series, but I've got the Red Sox in seven. See, I got the Red Sox in six games. Now, remember this. I've been wrong about almost every single series, 
So I'm liking what I'm doing here right now, guys. The Red Sox are going to win in six games. Yeah, but if you're doing it for a reverse jinx, jinx attempt, I don't think it works like that. We'll find out. We'll find out in a few weeks or next week. But here's the here's the reason why I think the Red Sox are going to win. Number one, I think their lineup is amazing right now. I don't think the Astros starting pitching is going to be able to stop the Red Sox lineup. How do I know? The Red Sox just shelled Garrett Cole like it was nothing. They made, you know, every, the Rays pitching was incredible all yeah, season. They shelled Shane McClanahan. They shelled Shane McClanahan. They, sh- they were hitting everybody. And to me, it's like, I think the big thing is going to be slowing down the Astros lineup because the Astros have a really strong lineup. But uh, I think the Red Sox have a better lineup. I think that their starting pitching as a whole can be better. As a When it comes to the bullpen, Astros got a better bullpen by a lot. But I think that everything that comes down together, it's going to be Red Sox and six. All right, so we have two Red Sox, one in six, one in seven. I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. I think the Astros take this series, and I think no. it's gonna be. I do look. I'm not saying I want that. I'm rooting for the Red Sox, of course. Don't only, I don't like either team, but I don't want cheaters in the World Series, of course. I don't care if they didn't do it this year. But they the did Sox it in the past. The <laughs> I know, I know, but maybe we'll just say to a little bit of a less degree. Um, no, but I, I do think the Astros take this. Watching, you know, since the White Sox were my World Series pick, I watched every single one of those games, and honestly. They they just look dominant. The Astros did. I mean, I, I like their pitching. I like their offense is just so scary. And I know that's the case for the Red Sox as well. But the Astros just looked out in here. I think that the the edge is going to come to the fact that the Houston Astros have a better bullpen. And I'm gonna say in six games, Astros are headed to the World Series. Obviously, the you know obviously I want the Red Sox to win extremely bad. But this I am so happy today. After yeah. going to the ALCS, this has been a, a su- such an exciting season. I mean, really, besides that that blip in August, they they've been they they've been they, you know they performed consistently well pretty much the entire season. You know, they've been frustrating at times, but I'm pumped. I love this team. I think they've got it in them. I think I really think the Red Sox can do it this year. Um, there's something special about them. I really think I really think they can go down and and win in Houston when they need to. They they're a really good road team. Like, and I I think that's. There, there's something to be said about that in the postseason. It's it's going to be an evenly matched series. You know, it's it's nothing's going to come easy against the Astros. They're the team I was most afraid of in the American League the entire year. But you know, if if you're going to win, you got to beat somebody good. James, and, I am I'm very happy about how happy you are because I got to say, uh, it's not shared by anyone else in the studio right now. That's so totally fine. that is awesome, James. Good for you, man. You know, postseason baseball is so fun. Love watching postseason baseball. You know, watching your favorite team in the postseason is just such a treat. Really do love doing that. It's just amazing, and I'm so thankful that we get to experience that every year, all of us here in the studio. Can we get on to closing thoughts? Because I <laughs> Go have for it. All right, guys. closing thoughts. Yeah, here's my closing thought. I think the Rays are going to trade Tyler Glass now this offseason. Oh, oh! So we're just giving a closing thought about the who would who would pick the offseason. Somebody's going to trade and somebody's going to trade for him because he's arbitration eligible this offseason. And the Rays always trade guys who are arbitration eligible. Also, Kevin Kiermeyer, we've probably seen his last game as a Tampa Bay Ray. Oh, I agree with that. Someone's going to pay him way too much money for what he's worth. I mean, his glove alone is, is going to be is worth he, it. Is he free agent? He's a free agent. Yeah, yeah. yeah he'll yeah. probably get a two-year deal to go somewhere. Kiermeyer's gone. I think Glass now is gone as well. All right. Well, I'm going to make a. Well, this actually isn't a prediction here. I'm going to have a challenge to the Rays. Stop it with this no superstar model. You have the salary space. You're nowhere near the luxury tax. Sign a superstar. Make this team cohesive. Build it around one guy. You already have Franco. You already have the pitching. Sign a superstar. Get to the World Series. Win your World Series. Yeah, no, definitely. The Rays have the potential to do it. And I don't, I mean, they've tried to get guys in the past, you know, uh, Acquiring Nelson Cruz, he's a pretty big name. Superstar. He's not a. I'm I mean, he's a big like, name though. L- let me give you an example, and we have one minute here left, so I, I, I'm going to close after this. But two years ago, there is no reason, there is no reason why either Bryce Harper or Manny Machado couldn't be on the Rays, and if they were, 
Oh, that just sounds so funny. I'm just saying, it. there's Stop no it. reason. Those were two generational talents that they had unbelievable amounts of money to blow, and they didn't do it. So what's a position you want the Rays to address this offseason? I'm going to say, if I'm the Rays front office and I'm not, and I'm also nowhere near as smart as them, I'm signing a superstar shortstop. Wander Franco? Yeah, you, they all can play different positions. All the ones on the market. You have Correa can play third and second. Story can do that. Semyon. Carlos Correa on the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm not saying it has to be Correa. I'm saying they need a superstar, and this particular offseason has a lot of superstar shortstops. I don't know what the Rays are going to do here, but that's just that's my opinion on them. James, any closing thoughts before we wrap up here? I think we're going to get a Red Sox-Giants World Series. Red Sox-Giants World Series. All right. Well, still 4-4 in Atlanta between the Braves and the Brewers. Go ahead, watch that game, see how that unfolds. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this edition of Nation's Pastime in the Nation's Capital. We've loved having you, and hope you that you tune in next week as well, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on WCUA Radio. Check our socials at Nat Pastime Cap to know when the shows are posted. Like I said, by Friday, should have all of the shows, three, maybe four from this year, up on Spotify in a playlist, and if not, on YouTube as well the day after. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Have a fantastic rest of your night. I've been your host, Andrew Stath, here with my co-hosts, James Higgins and Robbie Cruz. Once again, have a fantastic night. Peace out.